Hi, my name's Elijah and welcome to Roots Podcast, an interview channel that dives into the personal stories of those in the hospitality industry, whether it be in the restaurant, out in the field, and those in the media, as they look back on where it all started for them. It's a retrospective look on the passion, ambition, and drive involved in a competitive industry. Roots Podcast is proudly supported by Sydney Direct Fresh Produce, the fruit and veg provador led by Luke Kohler, who has provided Sydney with some of the best and local produce since it was 16 years old, and still smashing it out today. My next guest today is Sam Young, the well-known Sydney chef whose resume boasts Miss G's, Mr Wong, Fratelli's and more recently having finished up at Lotus Restaurant in Potts Point. Sam Young is looking forward to new beginnings and having been recently featured on the cover of Good Food, sharing some of the great local restaurants in Sydney to go to, it seems like his impact on Sydney food scene has been nothing but a positive one. I hope you're excited for what Sam Young's been doing. Since leaving Lotus, has been doing all these sorts of collaborations, really getting out there and, 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 and expressing and, and showing his love for food. If you're, if you're interested, tomorrow he's got a collaboration with Toby Stansfield at Vibe Hotel. It's a Sunday lunch, and you'll see Michael Kim from PS40 serving some sick drinks. So if that's something you're interested in, go for it. He's going to do more of these lunches in the future, so make sure to go follow Big Sam Young on Instagram to see what he's up to. Thanks for tuning in. Enjoy. Uh, I guess like the, the event was just so crazy because our ticket got sold out in 24 hours. That was crazy, yeah, yeah. So it's like, because the, we're waiting for the the article of broadsheet coming out, but that didn't quite make it. All oh, right. So we sold all the ticket before the article come out. <laughs> so it was just like, uh, okay. So we end up have to do it four nights at PS40, which is fantastic. But yeah, yeah, it's pretty crazy how how much love and support Sydney have gave us. You know. Yeah. How, how is it working in that kind of small kitchen space? When when MC first told me, uh, first approached to me, he say, uh, "There's a free piece of equipment." In, in the in the bar, right? And then he told me it was a microwave, a thermomix, and a, and an induction. And then I, I think to myself, I'm just like, microwave is not a fucking cooking equipment, right? I was like, okay. But then I say yes, shut up, you know? So um, I'm actually waiting for the invite because, uh, you know, I know Alex Yu from Sokyo did it. Um, you know, obviously, chef from Roku did it. And, and I, I just think that, you know, I want to be the cool kids, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, uh, yeah. But I didn't want to ask. So I was like, okay, I'll wait for it. Because I don't know. That's the first time I met MC. So, oh, right. Yeah, um, yeah. But it was, it was all good. It was all fun. Um, yeah, it's a it's pretty, pretty good event. Well, yeah, I was going to say it sold out super quick. So everyone yeah. must have been pretty chuffed. Who's, who's, who's saying that you, you gave everyone the incentive of trying to sell caviar? Yeah, it, it's just crazy, <laughs> man. I'm a big, I'm a big uh, believer in incentive. Because I think you got to fight for something, right? Yeah. So the first thing I walk into PS40, I told everyone, I got a, I got a 500 gram tin of caviar. If you sell everything, I'll give everyone 100 bucks cash on the spot. <laughs> and they just gone wild. They just, yeah, it was, it's, it's pretty good fun, man. Yeah, yeah. it's pretty good. They got a bloody good team. I must uh, say, PS4, they have some of the best bar team I ever worked with. So. Just in terms of hospitality or just professionally? I, I think they're very switched on and I right. think uh, they all have a sense of urgency, I guess, and, and their communication skill is inc- incredible. Yeah, um, you need that on par with the kitchen. Very, very switched on. So I'm very impressed. And the upsell skills that they do is incredible. Oh, really? Like, I, I've, I'm definitely, the, oh, I can say this now, right? But I'm definitely, <laughs> the, I, I take the most money out of PS4 to take over Tuesday ever. Uh, but but it was it was good fun. Like selling, uh, the first night we ran out of oysters. So there was ten thousand oysters we ran out. So it was wow. and there was only seventy people in, in, in the building. So it was it was pretty incredible to see um, what they can do. You know, and and I don't treat them as like front house staff. I, I treat them as like bartenders. You know, or bar staff, right? So that was very. I was very impressed. Um, with Michael and his his team, and that event was because such good feedback, I guess, or, or people loving the food, which produced from a microwave <laughs> induction <laughs> and a thermal mix. So it was it was, it was incredible. It's, yeah, yeah. I'm very very happy with the result. Have you ever worked in the kitchen where it's just like even more minimal kitchen equipment to cook no, with? I, I guess I, I don't think so because um, I. I spent most most of my career 
with the hospitality group Maryvale. Right. And with Maryvale, everything is. Yeah. You you can get every piece of equipment <laughs> you need. Um, it's very like a lot of space. You know, it's it's very luxury, I guess, in some sense. Um, but yeah, but 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 I think like doing an event in PS40 really opens my mind up a lot where like limitation can be you know it could be not a thing you know and and, and it was a it was a it was a small budget as well you know like uh, it was $65 for we did five dishes so that that was like the costing was was challenging as well I think right but it was it was pushed me to 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 open up a bit more yeah yeah I was just thinking because like for you know, I, I worked at a cafe once where all they had was just one induction stove to cook everything. And yeah. and it just reminds me of working at like Bistro Aficiano down in Barrel because yeah. that's very similar to Fire Door where everything's just cooked over flame. So once you do, once you work at these kind of places, like you say, like it really opens your mind up when you kind of go from just using one source of cooking or element or one kind of source of, you know, equipment where there is just fire or one induction stove like, and you can make that work. It kind of you can kind of figure it out from there. Like hundred percent. I think that's what really I think COVID have bring a lot of positive. It, like I know it's a really shit year for the industry, but again, it really brings up open eyes up a lot for a lot of people and brings a lot of creativities and opportunity into the industry. I I think at least with my career, I think I remember when first COVID hit. Um, I was really depressed for the first five days, I guess. Um, but then Andrew from Room 10 actually gave me a call and he asked me if I'm interested to do tackle meals. And I, I, I answered straight away. I was like, yep, no problem. I'll do it. But at first he asked me to make uh, spaghetti bolognese. And then I'll, and I, I look at him, I was like, there's no way I'm making spaghetti bolognese because that's not my specialty, I guess. Like, like I, I, I love Italian food. I love pasta. But I don't think that's kind of my specialty that people would buy. And I think, I've, I thought to myself, everyone could make spaghetti bolognese in their home, right? And that's like one of the most basic dishes, right? So uh, we, we argued quite a lot, back and forth, back and forth. Uh, but at the end, we did it. Like, um, so we did spaghetti bolognese for the first week and we saw like 50 portion wow. um, out of the first weekend, I guess, which is incredible like crazy like it was 25 dollars per, per serve yeah yeah and like that 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 just completely shocked me because just why would people want to pay 25 bucks to buy big sam spaghetti bolognese but <laughs> but again it's incredible yeah i have my very good friend uh, ponzu um did the pasta for me like it's, it's more like a collab but but that just like again the creativity is just endless and and from that point onward, I think it really changed my life for the last 12 months. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting you say that. Like, I think, I don't know how many other chefs or people in hospitality kind of went through that lull, like, the first week after it closed. Because yeah. I know I went through the same thing. You could ask my partner. Like, you just went through this state where, especially if you're passionate for, for cooking food and you have all this energy and you're just told you just, you can't do anything, like, literally anything. It's very disheartening to the point like I, I got very I was just getting like anxious and upset all the time I didn't, I didn't own a business but I just wanted to be in the kitchen cooking something you know yeah. like 100%. you have that desire so yeah I just I've never talked to someone who's kind of said that that was what they were going through and I think that's important it, to talk about like it, it's quite like I remember that day um, the lockdown was announced on a Monday along on a Sunday mm. for Monday lockdown at 12 p.m. Uh, I remember I was having lunch on that Sunday at Lumi Dining. Uh, I was having a tasting menu. And basically, Frank Roberts from Maryvale gave me a call and say, you know, it's, it's, it's time to shut it down. And I, 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 I stand up and I left the restaurant. And I, I went straight to Lotus, where the, the restaurant I was working at. And I had to really come up with a plan to, to see what, how can we execute. You know, we knew that was coming, but, but when that phone call was made I was shocked because it came into reality that we're actually shutting and more so I was really worried for my staff I guess because uh, half of my team is not eligible for JobKeeper or at that point there was no 
any sort of security back then. I think in the first lockdown, I think it's just so they're they're all from like different country in the world, like Mexico and you know Indonesia and stuff. And and I was just like, I really. Lotus is a small restaurant, and we're really close as a team. And I really felt for what are they going to do, mm. you know. And I, I that that was one of my my biggest worry, I guess, or my biggest concern. Which not not just not be able to cook for customer, but at the same time, what's the future look like for my team? Because they have give everything to the industry, right? They work hard, they push. Um, but then I was a bit depressed with. What their life gonna look like? Because you know, life still move on. You still have bills to pay. You still have rents to pay. You still need to put food on the table. So yeah, that was that was my one of my very big uh, concern. I guess the reason why I got depressed. But then, but then, I guess at the end of the day, it all worked out. Like every time I make a takeout meals. I, I will personally deliver uh, a meal to each of my team members. Yeah. I guess that's the that's the least I can do. I thought. Um, so yeah, it was quite emotional during the lockdown. I think. Yeah. Um, and I'm such a like I, food and wine is my life. Like I'm actually a very boring person. Uh, <laughs> my my whole life is 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 all about food and wine. Like, right. Like if I read magazine, it's all usually good food magazine, uh, or gourmet traveler. If I read watch TV, is food channel or yeah. cooking channels if I watch movies it's always involved with food you know it's just like I think yeah it was a big emotional turn for me but I'm very still very grateful for that phone call Andrew gave me a call five days later and from that point we got so busy until today in 2021 like we, we pretty much never had a day off since yeah. then it's just push 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 and it was amazing well, I mean, even touching on Good Food Guide, you'd have been pretty chuffed to then be on the newspaper. Yeah. <laughs> that have been yeah, it, it, it was good. Uh, it was good. Like, well, that, that, the whole story was uh, Miffy gave me a, a call and, and asked me, did the interview for me over the phone, uh, what I'm most excited to eat after lockdown. Or lockdown. Um, then, then I told her, like, actually the restaurant I miss the most is all the suburban restaurant because... I used to take my whole team or all my friends in the industry, go out to Cabaramata for a day, go to Bankstown for a day, and we'll go to like each restaurant and yeah. have one dish yeah, or two yeah. dish. So it's almost like a tasting menu in four restaurants. <laughs> so that's that's what I do a lot with my team and my friends. So I, I think that, and you you could get takeaway, but the food never tastes the same. 100%. Like Like noodle soup. Will never taste the same at home. Never. Yeah. And and like ramen, for example, or, or a bowl of pho, or, or rice paper roll, nothing will taste the same at home. And I'm a big restaurant person, right? So I, I think that that got us really the conversation on what's the suburban like. And I'm a, I love fine dining. I love spending all my money on high-end restaurants. But at the same time, I love like local food. Yeah. Because... I come from a very average family from Hong Kong. Um, that's where I come from. And I think that like street food or like noodles and stuff is, is really where my roots come from. And I, I enjoy eating it every day. So, um, so yeah, when Miffy called me and so I was like uh, talking about, like she was quite surprised. And I was like, yeah, Suburban is my jam because like they are the, the local heroes that doing the same dish for the last... 20 years you know yeah yeah well if you do something for 20 years you must be good at something <laughs> so yeah I, and, I, and, and back in lockdown I, I discovered even more so um, local joints because yeah, yeah. they were doing struggling and doing takeaway I want to go and support them so like I tried to like I, I pretty much didn't cook at home at all during lockdown because I <laughs> every day every chance I have I want to go out and support a local restaurant that I could help you yeah, know what yeah, I mean yeah, yeah. And, and I think that because people are supporting me by buying my take-home meals, right. so I want to support a restaurant when I can as well. Yeah, yeah. So that there's so many good ones out there. So me and Miffy was talking about it, and so maybe potentially we can do a story after COVID is finished, you know? Or yeah. So I took her out to Eastwood, and I didn't know it was a whole page front page of good food that's pretty, <laughs> that's pretty crazy like, yeah I was going to say you would have been chuffed having like you know if you say you read good food and yeah, yeah because I, like people send me a website and I was like oh that's 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 cool that's that's not bad <laughs> and I went to the newspaper uh, stand and then I, I I opened up the paper and then and then I, I saw myself I was like whoa 
And then the lady behind me actually, oh, is, th- is that you? I'm like, uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's pretty, pretty crazy, man. Like, it's, it's good. It's, it's, it's very, uh, very lucky. Very blessed. Yeah. You just touched on it before, but you're saying how, like, you know, eating noodle soup uh, in the restaurant is different to eating it at home. Does that kind of play down to when you're eating the restaurant and the vibe and the bustling kind of feeling of it, like, and being in that scene, like how we were talking about before with a big packed restaurant is, you know, tight, is a lot better than... I, I'm a very, I'm a very uh, anal person when it comes to food, I guess. But I guess, like, if you cook a noodle soup at home, like, get takeaway as in, like, the, the noodle, the texture is never right. Oh, right. The so soup, the, the temperature right. is never right. Right. You know, the toppings are, are never right. Like, the fresh herbs is never right. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's very... I, also, the vibe also gave, gave a lot of uh, factor as well. But I just think that, like, a, a bowl of ramen, for example. Like, you know how the ramen chef will warm the bowl up for you in a bath hot water? And then they put the seasoning in the bowl. And they, they stir the noodle in the soup for you. And they taste the soup before they send it to you. So, it's like... Small details like that, it might seem like a simple bowl of ramen, but actually there's lots and lots of work going to it. Don't get me wrong, I mean, having a charcoal ramen at 2 a.m. in the morning is bloody good. Like, don't, <laughs> don't get me wrong, that's bloody good. Like, having that, I, I mean, like, just like what I say, like, during COVID, I think opportunity really, I think take home frozen, take home meals is the future of the industry, I think. Yeah, right. Because, you know, how good is it to have restaurant quality food at 3am in the morning after you went out party right I mean chefs definitely think that for sure or, or like how, how good it is to like but let's say let's say like if someone is in, in a far away place that they couldn't enjoy Sydney food right potentially can bring the flavors of Sydney to them via frozen pack you know like for example uh, my mate uh, Junda from Hojak uh, Haymarket Town Hall and Stratfield um, he, he developed this frozen pack food which I think is brilliant so he pretty much uh, vacuum pack all his Malaysian classic signature and all you have to do is poach um, the meals in the hot water for 10 minutes yeah right and, 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 and the quality is incredible in my opinion it's yeah, incredible yeah. for what they like you can have a, a little chicken rice section you know 1am in the morning which is phenomenal in my opinion yeah, so yeah. we did that a lot during lockdown and, and I think that it, it just COVID just really pushed people being creative yeah and like and I just I'm not saying eating at home is better than going out to a restaurant but in this like for example if you're on a yacht right that there's no kitchen or there's thing you can just get a pot of water going on and you can have great food on a yacht you know what I mean so I think that's that's really creative and I think that's really pushes you know the industry forward yeah well i mean let, let's take it back to to where you grew up then well, while we're kind of navigating towards the the bustling in like kind of outer city restaurants that kind of remind you of growing up so tell us about where you grew up and what life was like for you i i was uh, born in hong kong um so basically i live in hong kong for th- the first 13 years yeah so right. i grew up in hong kong but at the age of 13 um my mom and myself decided I want to go to school to Canada so I actually uh, went to boarding school in Canada at yeah, the right. age of 13 sure. uh, so I spent 13, 14, 15 so I th- spent two, two and a half, three years yeah, at yeah. Canada in a small town called Three Hills in Alberta you probably never heard of it <laughs> but um, because I was, a, I, was a, I was a problem child I was really um, I wasn't very good at school I was uh, always my, my parents didn't think I have a future in Hong Kong, which I think I'm very grateful for what they think back then, and I believe that is true. Yeah, so they sent me overseas to a boarding school in Canada for three. In this very small town, it's like there might be 20 shops in the whole town, I think. Yeah, right. It, it's really small. It's a Christian uh, boarding school. So, like, <laughs> it really gives me a, a training or like a... You know, trying to behave, trying to be discipline. Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I still wasn't very good at school, so <laughs> didn't work. So, um, so I end up uh, at the age of sixteen because I was struggling at school a little bit there. I end up went to become exchange student in Denver, Colorado, in wow. America. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know how that works, but I end up being exchange student to um, 
Denver, Colorado. So I did grade eight, grade nine in Canada, and then I skipped grade ten. I go straight into eleven at. Uh, I don't know how you can skip school in America, but <laughs> we skip grade 10. So we go, go straight to grade 11 in Denver, Colorado, which is a, a beautiful city, like amazing. I was living in a college town called Boulder and uh, where the, the university at. Um, but yeah, it's an amazing experience. Um, the, the host family I was living with is extremely wealthy. So they have uh, two private jets themselves. Wow. So basically I was, I was traveling around a lot in America, like we'll go to San Francisco for lunch one day, you know, <laughs> which is pretty crazy stuff. <laughs> it's pretty you know? fucking phenomenal. You know, it's pretty crazy. You know, I will like because my host dad go golfing a lot, right? So I will just probably go with him and I'll discover different cities. Like one day we'll go to Dallas in Texas. That's crazy. You know, one day we'll go to you know um, San Francisco for lunch. You know, or one day we'll go to different states. You know, uh, so after that one year time, I I actually skip grade twelve. My senior year, I actually skipped that. I went straight into a community college in uh, Seattle. Um, yeah, right. So I think it just ended up cheaper that way because paying for high school and paying for college is same for overseas students. So I'm not sure if, that, if that's the best decision we ever made, but that's how it went down. So I went to the community college in Seattle area in a small town again called Mount Vernon because I think um, people think that my, my family think if I stay in the big city I'll be really naughty again which that doesn't really stop anything um, yeah so I, I went up um, yeah I went up uh, to Seattle and basically I didn't really go into school uh, we went to Vancouver every weekend to party wow. because the drinking age at America is 21 yeah, yeah, yeah. where the drinking age at Vancouver is 18 oh how funny so we'll drive up there and just party like <laughs> karaoke kill 5 a.m. in the morning and they go for breakfast at 6 a.m. So, what a cheeky way to get around it. Oh, it's really crazy. Yeah, <laughs> so it's really good. So after that, for I finished my high school in the community college uh, and then I went to uh, apply for Washington State University, which is the top five party school in America. <laughs> uh, I don't know why I did that, but... Uh, but then, I thought yeah. you were going to say something about how good the grades were at the school. How good no, the no. So I <laughs> top went, five party school. Yeah, we, we, we applied for the top five party school. <laughs> so I didn't last long. I Six months and, and, and I think my parents find out that I party a lot there. Yeah, yeah. And I bought, I bought my first car there without them knowing. So um, they, they, they sent me home. So <laughs> really? It's like a punishment, you know. Want me to take a, take a break and see what I really want to do with my life. Um, so I end up, um, I end up uh, getting a job working a really average cafe in Hong Kong in the International Financial Center. So I worked in that cafe for maybe six months or so, or maybe less. Uh, then I went to work in, a, in the same group. They have a burger shop in Soho in Hong Kong. Uh, it's called Duke's Burger, but it's now shut. But they, they do really high-end like uh, foie gras burgers or like burgers stuff with truffles and stuff. So that, that was a little cool adventure. But then uh, after a year, so after working for that group, uh, my, my family asked me if I want to go back to America for school, to finish my school. And then, um, or if I want an apprenticeship at uh, Mandarin Oriental in Hong Kong, if I want to be a chef. And I, I told them, no, I, I don't want both of these. Uh, I want to go to Australia because I've discovered there's a thing called working holiday yeah, yeah, yeah. in exists in, in the world. Um, my, the chef Nick worked next to my station in Hong Kong was actually just got back from Scotland with uh, working holidays so I was like well we use the best beef in Hong Kong from Australia you know the, right. the, the rocket is the rocket salad is from Australia yeah, right. we use a lot of Australian produce in Hong Kong and they're bloody good so I bought uh, a return ticket to well I applied for online so I thought nah they're not going to take me no way and then three days later, I got the I, I got the approval. So that's pretty quick. Yeah. So I was like, "Well, mom, I'm going to Australia. <laughs> <It's dumb. laughs> See you later." So yeah, I bought my ticket, and I yeah, and I have uh, I bought I bought uh, three thousand dollar cash with me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I came to Australia. Um, I stay in a, a hostel in Central, the YHA, which is the oh wow, apparently it's the most expensive hostel in Sydney. Sounds about right. But it's a bit shit. Like it was eight people living in the in in a one room and it was very noisy at night and 
people having sex next to your bed is, is a bit awkward. <laughs> like, it's a bit weird. So I didn't stay long. I stayed two weeks and I, I, I said, I got to get out of here. I, it's, it's pretty fucking weird. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, at that time, I was not a very experienced cook. Right. I was a bit shit. Like, let's, let's be real. Uh, so I struggled to find jobs. I struggled. So I think after, in two weeks, two or three weeks, I, I, I still struggled to find jobs. Uh, however, I went to a, a job trial at Gordon in a, in a really shitty Greek restaurant. Uh, it's now closed as well. Uh, but basically, I did a trial there and I put all my money and all my passport on, a, on my jacket. It was winter at that time. And everything was stolen during my work job trial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So all my money, 3000 like, well, at that point, I spent 1000 already. So just $2,000 cash plus my passport is stolen from like from, from your jacket you mean like yeah, your, your yeah, winter because, jacket yeah winter like jacket, jacket because of a winter jacket we, yeah, we yeah, keep yeah. in the locker right? yeah, I thought yeah, it's, right. it's all good right fucking hell so, so that that got stolen so um, so it was it was hard it was really hard so I remember I was uh, taking the train home and there's an officer who checked the tickets and I told him I was like I don't have a ticket because all my money got stolen and then he was very nice to let me go but uh, but it was it was a very hard um moment I, I was planning to go home actually wow um, but i was like you know fuck this australia shit uh, I, was, <laughs> I was planning to go home you know but but then uh i actually when i first arrived in australia i really hated it like especially sydney i really really hated it because i remember i was uh, after a week or so i moved to chatswood uh, living in chatswood on a sunday i was waking up at 3 p.m so i was getting ready you know go out for you know for dinner when they're shopping more, everything was closed at 5 p.m. <laughs> and I was like, what is this? Because, so because in America, like, the mall is open till 9, 10, 11 yeah, p.m. Yeah, right. You know, we could go bowling, we could do other stuff in the mall. Like, like shops are open. Like, even in Hong Kong. We, in Hong Kong, like, if you go out midnight, shops will be all be open yeah, and right. pumping, you know? That's in, sick. In certain areas, you know? Um, so where, where I was really, I didn't have any friends, I didn't know anyone. And to me, it was really shit, like really bad. So, um, so yeah, I was like, I'm going to go. Like, this is terrible. What did you do that night when you had all your shit stolen? Like, where did you get accommodation or stay? No, like? no, no. I, I actually, I paid rent. Like, I rent a share house. Already. Oh, right. Okay, so right. So, I had, I had a, but I had a few days to sort my shit out. Right, okay. So, lucky, I, there's a really good friend of mine. I just only know him for 14 days. Um, he gave me $2,000 cash wow. on the spot. And That's he was nice. like... Just keep this, and when you have the money, then pay me back. Yeah, yeah. So th- that was really nice of him. I'm wow. still very grateful for that person. Uh, so after that, I had to look for a job immediately. To doesn't matter what kind of job that yeah, is. Yeah, I have to start working and start because I'm owing money, right? Instead of making money, so uh, so I I end up in a really uh, I said it in a good food. I'll still say it again in a really terrible cafe that you know. Um, but I started working there for 10 bucks an hour and there's only like I, I learned so much from that place but I'm still grateful but it was it was a terrible cafe but I think you learn how to become this stuff that you know that you can't money can't buy like respect to other people you know being on time you know have a good attitude or you'll be gone tomorrow you know and I just think that that's really shaped me up as who I am my, my values I guess that's that's really important um, but yeah working there for for maybe like a really like when I say really terrible cafe right like we'll be you can package hollandaise sauce you know? oh yeah we'll be like <laughs> that classic we used to have like steak night right like steak night but we're selling $10 steaks yeah right which they're frozen obviously so like it was a bit crazy you know a bit dodgy yeah. um, but it's okay but like like I still like think about stuff like the grilled fish with would be Basa from Vietnam, you know, like it was a bit bad, you know, but, but then I don't know, man, like, yeah, that was really hard and it was in Eastwood, you know, um, so yeah, that, that one year gone really fast and I, I, I having an opportunity to open uh, a second cafe for them Oh wow! Uh, in Asheville. Uh, so at that point I was working hundred and hundred hours a yeah, week. Yeah, 100%. So like seven days a week, Fuck no, no. no day off for like month and a half. So that 
really put me back on track. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. we're paying 10 bucks an hour, but I work 16 hour a day, you know? Far out. So that's, They're still paying you $10 an hour even then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But back then, <laughs> still, still poor. Um, <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's uh, but it's cash, you know? So, uh, yeah. so it's cash shop, you know? So, yeah. um, so basically, that's, that's how I got to pay back my friend because I was working long hours and, yeah. you know? And I don't spend any money. Because I'm there seven kind days a week, yeah. from eight o'clock in the morning to midnight. I was there every day. So I feel, I feel like that's me now. Just over the past year, I just all of a sudden have this money, and I'm like, yeah. It's just, so it's not that I'm a good saver. I just have fucking time. So so, that, so that's great. So so after that, I my 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 working holiday visa is about to expire, and basically, um, my friends have make my some of my friends have made a suggestion that I should stay for school. So uh, I speak to my parents and. Um, my parents happy to support me to go to cooking school to get a certificate, kind of like be real. Yeah, yeah. So I went to La Cordon Bleu in Sydney. Uh, like, it's not my choice, but going to TAFE is expensive for overseas student anyway. Crazy. So, yeah. so might as well just do La Cordon Bleu. So at least internationally recognized um, school, I guess. But yeah, but then after that, so I went to school. I'm working two or three jobs same time. Uh, then I end up my internship is called industry placement that we don't have a pre- we're not apprentice we're not qualified as apprentice because we're not Australian so they do this six month thing called uh, industry placement so I actually um, work in a restaurant called Cafe Sydney yeah right uh, so I was on the crustacean section shucking <laughs> a lot of oysters every day so uh, I think at Christmas time at peak, uh, we were shucking hundred dozen oysters a day. A hundred dozen. Yeah, there's Fuck. there's two of us, and we just push. That's only yeah. job, right? Yeah. Fuck. From seven or eight a.m. till six or seven. Jeez. So it's just push, just shucking oysters all day. Wow. Uh, so that was quite an experience. I wasn't allowed to move to any other section uh, because I wasn't very good. But yeah, but then, but then after six months, um, people think that. Um, I wouldn't have a job after because they don't have one part-time staff. Right. But uh, the exec chef made an exception that having me on board as a part-time staff, which is, I'm very lucky, but still shocking voices. But but it was good because be, be part of a, a brigade, you know, and, yeah. and, and, and seeing other staff, you know, seeing other chefs, what they do. So it was a quite experience. So uh, after I finished school, I apply three jobs, I guess. So I... Uh, I never, actually never told anyone this. I apply uh, Rock Pop and Grill, uh, uh, also 414, and, and Mr. Wong was the free restaurant oh, right. I applied. So the, the first shop I took was the 414, which is a uh, Chef Colin restaurant. But then I was straight going to the Ghana section, which I, which, which I find it hard because I actually never cooked before. Right you know, on, on a busy restaurant. So I, f- I find it quite challenging and, and it was quite hard. Uh, so... Sorry, what kind of restaurant was it? 414. It's, it's a British... Uh, oh, British. Right. Yeah, like Colin Fast, I think, like that's... that's it's Like uh, under four, like similar to four in hand, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but that's... Yeah, so I didn't last very long there. So I only lasted like maybe a month yeah, or right. so. And I decided that wasn't for me because, um, yeah, I just don't see a future. So uh, I call up Zhao from Mr. Wong. Uh, so from, from, from that moment on, uh, I, t- I told Zhao I only have four weeks left on my, on my student visa. Like, like student. Back then, there's no graduate visa. So it's only student. I say I have four weeks left. If you want to give me a job, I'll, I'll take it. Yeah, yeah. And I went for a trial and, and I just, just I took the job. And so from then on, then I worked for Maryville for the last eight years almost. Yeah, That's right. Mr. Wong. So your first few restaurants, like how was it for you in terms of being uh, like self-motivated to want to continue? Like if you found it struggling, which I ask because I know I found it struggling when you're a chef trying to, trying to adjust and learn, you know, f- like fucking workflow, like managing prep and your time when you're going down all the time. Like how, how did you kind of stay self-motivated to want to continue early on? Mr. Wong was, was, was intense when we first opened, like you have so many good chefs in the brigade I'll name a few and you you, you kind of have a good vibe so so Victor Victor Leong was oh, a, yeah. was yeah, a yeah. sous chef uh, Zhao of his Zhao and Dan was you know the, the boss and then like next to me there's Trish uh, from oh yeah yeah, yeah Tem 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 Tem
I wasn't part of the opening team on the first couple of weeks. So I arrived a few weeks later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like when you walk in there, the intensity is is, is high. Yeah. Like back in the days, is eight years ago was intense. <laughs> like it was crazy, and I was I was in a little pastry section. I was. Are you doing pastry? Yeah, yeah I was yeah. just. I wasn't very good, so I was. Right. You know, so I just like they need they needed someone to do pastry. You know, yeah, so sure. I just do it. But but it was it was very hard. I, I'm I'm not gonna lie to you. And it was a very intense kitchen, uh, but I guess, but I guess like I didn't have a choice because I was yeah. on a sponsor visa, you know. Like you just got to push, you just got to push, and you just got to try to think that there's a light, yeah, at the end of the tunnel, right? And and so, but I was very fortunate. So so I worked on pastry for three months, I think, and then I moved to larder for three months, <laughs> and I worked on the barbecue section for yeah. for a year. So um, that was. Those are good times. What what station over the restaurants you've worked um, do you think has been the hardest? I was talking uh, because <laughs> man, I was I was, I suck I suck <laughs> a lot of man like it's so hard. I was a piece of shit like you know I was I suck Ugh. so it was, it was hard because again like I never worked in a like a professional kitchen before like I worked in yeah. Cafe Sydney but I was only shucking oysters there so I guess. Like I have to learn everything on scratch, and yeah. Mr. Wong is busy, man. Like yeah. it's a busy restaurant, you know. So uh, and people come and go, you know, quite quite often. So it, it was hard. It was it was you know, and working for like all these chefs, you know, um, it, it was really hard. I think yeah. uh, thinking about it, like, but I'm still very grateful for that experience, you know. Yeah, yeah. And really, every time I go to Mr. Wong, I still remember every details of. How 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 intense was that experience, you know? And I think uh, I was still forever. If I have to choose it again, I'll probably do it again. Yeah, right. But it was like it was it was crazy, man. Was so that was kind of a good kitchen team, just like we we're talking before. Like that was kind of one of those solid kitchen teams that kind of really worked with each other well, or or it was very it was very uh, yes, everyone worked well all together. But obviously, it's a very very busy kitchen. So you pretty much only have time to worry about yourself, your station. Right. Otherwise, you know, you don't want right. to go down, right? Because like, obviously, there are two walks on rice and noodle, which is extremely busy, and two walks in the vegetable section, right. which is they cook for the whole restaurant, right? Where lada we do all the salads and entree for, you know, where so so it was it was it was intense. I'm not gonna lie to you, right? It was crazy, and I, I suck at at the beginning, and I think um, I I just think that. When you talk about how do you motivate yourself, you just have to keep push and keep swimming. I guess like when you're sinking, you just have to keep swimming mm. until that you know there's the last breath. And also when you when you, I'm sure we all been there before, right? We all went down before, right? But like, <laughs> you just you just hopefully that you know you'll be better at it, you know. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, you just hopefully when you go home, you think to yourself, "What a fucking shit day!" That you think next day I'll do better. You know, like yeah. So, so after three months, because I I stick with there, um, I end up working on barbecue, which is like, in my opinion, like a, a very tough section as well. But I really enjoy everything about it because we're we're cooking the signature dish, which is the Peking duck. You know. Yeah. Right. So it was it was like it was crazy, man. Like I think the first year they we we did like twenty six thousand ducks. Fuck. I think that was that was wow. that was like how how much like. Like, you know, like it was 10 boxes of ducks every day, eight boxes of ducks every day. Like, and the duck is like, take three days to make. Oh, really? And, and so basically, like, you can't, you can't fuck it up because yeah, yeah. the misan plus is three days. Wow. So if you, if you mess it up, man, there's no way to saving it. Did you have it? So, did someone ever mess so, it up? Oh, uh, definitely. 100%. <laughs> but, but you, and you know as well, because when you roast the duck, you see the color, yeah. you see everything. So that's no, that's nothing. You, you can't hide it, you know. <laughs> but I'm always very passionate. Like I always go there early. I always go there, like get all my stuff done. You know, I was yeah. pretty slow actually, but but then I I want to make sure everything is right. Is good, you know, good stuff. So yeah, so that was yeah good times. So after that time, I I went I moved on and uh, went to work at Miss G's. Yeah, right. Yeah, and it was another again. It was another. I was starting on the. The bun me section we call like the snack section and pastry section. Yeah, yeah. The section where I met my partner now, Super Banana. Um, uh, but yeah, but that's that's where 
a, a very important restaurant in my career, and 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 it was it was I think still today I think Miss G's is one of the the best kitchen to learn because right. you got the wok and you got the pans and you got the grill, and you got the fryer, so which is like the larger section, and you got dessert and and pastry and snacks. So I think that's like for me that that's a really good kitchen to learn. Right, just for basics. Yeah, and for basics. Yeah, and, right. And the food is very delicious. Yeah, like till till, in my opinion. Was it a big team? Uh no, I, I think it's a lot smaller than Mister Wong. That's for sure. Right. So I think as service, we will have like seven people. I think. Yeah, right. I think that's that sounds about right. But uh, but that that was a a really crazy times, where I jumped in, to be a chef de party. I think, and then um, but I think uh, soon later. When the sous chef was gone, uh, I was um, promoted to sous chef. So I actually skipped the junior sous chef role. I, I just go straight into sous chef, and um, I wasn't sure if, if that's a good thing or not because I didn't know how to be a sous chef. Yeah, yeah. Because I was yeah. just, you know, so I I become a really angry person. Oh really? I become a really because I was stressed, man. Like really stressed. Right. So I I get stressed out a lot and angry person because I didn't know what to do. Yeah. Right. I didn't know what to do with my team. I didn't know how to become a leader. I guess. Yeah. So I guess that was a really, really hard uh, learning curve for me. Probably one of the hardest, I guess. But that is is very rewarding. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. Like I was, me and Joel Bigford were talking about in terms of he was a head chef at like twenty four or twenty five, right? But he was saying it then. He was clueless. Like, he's like, you don't know why he took this head chef role. Like, at the time, it was just for the money because he just needed to take a step back and just and, and had a lot of shit going on. But th- that's something you don't often think about when you're in the kitchen and, and as a chef, right? Just standard commie chef. You're just there making recipes every day, you know, prep every day. When you go to a sous chef, it's, it's more managerial and you don't really think about that. So the people you've been working with, you now have to, like, manage them and make sure someone's doing shit all the time so you have to really like you said you have to kind of transition and think differently and kind of be a bit more yeah I suppose like managerial in a sense I don't want to say dominant because I don't think that's always the case but um, yeah so you just have to kind of like take the sous chef role and, 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 and think differently about how who you're working with and how you work with them it's, it's just it's interesting sometimes this is not often something you think about and, and back in the days I think like don't know who like it was very hard because I was very stressed about the reputation of the restaurant. Yeah, right. So I was become a really like angry person or very stressed out, like yelling a lot, you know, like like I broke like seven belt probably. Like you know the belt? Yeah. In the past. I, <laughs> I probably broke like seven belt because I was I was Just like smacking it. I was yeah, like yeah. slamming it. <laughs> yeah, and it was it was hard man. Like doing the roster, you know, doing the pass, like this this is all new yeah. to me, you know? Which which is which which I had to find my way, you know. So what, you became head chef at Miss G's? No, like sous chef. So, oh, you're doing roster and shit as sous chef? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, Mental. Well, well I, I, yeah, I do. So, and also like putting like the roster in system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like because Mary a big company. The yeah. payroll is in the system, right? So I have to learn all that stuff. So we're running the restaurant together. So it was pretty crazy. So when, when my head chef Paul Donner left, um, they promoted me to acting head chef, I guess. Wow. Yeah, That's yeah. like... That's another knot of stress, I guess. I was going to say. <laughs> I, I didn't stay long after. I, I think it was three months. I stayed three months and I decided I want to go somewhere and do something else. Right. So um, Just to take a bit of a break or just... Yeah. So I I actually, uh, when, when I work for Clayton in uh, Automata. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, which I suck <laughs> again. So I actually never worked fine dining before, right? But then I just, uh, I, I think like... That three months, I worked there three months only. I only lasted three months, but uh, there was some really intense time, I guess. Um, just adjusting or... Yeah, and just like working in a different environment, different right. type of cuisine, you know, a lot of finesse, you know, and I think I wasn't really ready for it, I think. But I really wanted to, to work at fine dining. I thought, that's what I thought I wanted to do. Uh, so anyway, so three months has gone by. I decided that's not for me. I was pretty broken, man. I was, I was almost, I actually almost wanted to quit cooking because of the restaurant. That, that's not the first time I've heard someone say that. that that's crazy. J- like, J- Jared Walsh from Hearts Yard had the same experience. Like, yeah, he worked I, at, at Automata and he said after that, he had to have a, like a couple of weeks break. Yeah, I, I, like, I, I doubt myself. I was like, I'm not sure if I'm good enough to continue cooking. That's, that's, that's where 
I met. Yeah. Is he a tough chef, Clayton? To work with? I, I think I think Clayton is a really nice chef. Like yeah. he's really nice. But I think um, but I think that if you want to perform at that level and that that kind of attention to details and the the cleanliness and everything has to I'm, I'm, like it's just very different to many other like restaurants that I've seen experienced before. But I only experienced like three restaurants before that, right? Yeah. So yeah. it's not a full. So it's not not. But I guess working on fine and my role is kind of like the sous chef. Yeah. So actually, I'm not really capable for the role. Oh right. But then sure. I went straight into it. So yeah. it was just hard because everyone trying to look up to me, right? But but I can't I don't know what to perform. Do, yeah. I can't perform at the level that they require. Yeah. So it, it was super hard. It was super tough. But anyway, I doubt myself for for a short period of time. But then I I, I need a job, right? So I only know to cook. So. I ended up working in um, Saga restaurant in Darlinghurst. Yeah, right. Yeah, so yeah, yeah they, they needed someone to help them out. So I, I kind of worked there for a little bit. But uh, the restaurant wasn't really busy. So it wasn't busy enough to keep me there. We'd be really honest with each other. So I had to finish. And then I ended up working in um, Fratelli Paradiso for a little <laughs> bit. That was crazy, man. Because <laughs> like, and I, I never cooked pasta professionally. I don't know why do I even apply that job. <laughs> Like, fuck, it was crazy, man. Because like, like I was going down hard, and, yeah, like, yeah. Because yeah. yeah, it was it was it was it was emotional. Because like, I'm trying every day to do my best, but you know, Italian food that will probably take years to to learn. You know, yeah, years yeah. to learn that. You know, so again, I suck. So it, it was it was a very hard moment for me in in that year. I guess after I finished with cheese and Tomata and Sagra, and then you know, I wasn't sure what to do. Maybe I don't want to cook anymore because I suck. You know. It was very, very, almost like depression a little bit. Almost yeah, like right. very depressed. It was hard, really hard. And then uh, somehow I think Frank uh, found out I wasn't very happy. So he texts me during service one day. He's like, um, uh, we have a new project coming up. We want you to come back and help us. And I, I text him straight away on the spot. I was like, let's have lunch together. Then, <laughs> you know? Uh, so yeah, so they, they actually want to open Queen Chow Manly uh, at that point. So... Uh, they want the best team to to help them. So, yeah, yeah. But I think Queen Chow is a is very similar to Mr. Wong. So that oh, right. that experience is kind of like uh, well Chinese food, right? Yeah, so, yeah. So basically, I went back to Maryvale after six months, short six months after I finished at Miss G's. Uh, but then, yeah, I was uh, the, uh, I was hired back as a sous chef at Queen Chow and more. But back then, they didn't have a head chef. At, at, that, at that point right so I was promoted to head chef after three months so I ran that restaurant for a little bit and helped open Queen Charm Manly um, yeah that's that's that, that's where I think that's where really built my um, management skills I guess or, or, or treat people right because it was hard because I was still a, a bit angry person at Enmore in Queen Charm Enmore I think uh, so I pretty much told the team to leave, and I, I, I implanted a new team. That was oh, wow. really hard. Fuck. That was really really hard, and especially <laughs> during Christmas it was fucking hard. What? It just was this just like an end of service kind of? No, I, I kind of like because I, I think that like back then the system was a bit messy. So when I took the head chef role, I was like, okay, I'm gonna fix this, right? right? So, but it was it was hard. Yeah, it was, and I I, I wasn't again. I never had a. Head chef experience, right? Yeah, never, yeah. never, you know. So um, it's a big learning curve again, you know. So, um, but yeah, but that that was, that was another hard one, I guess. Um, but the, after that, we opened Queen Char Manly uh, in the Northern Beaches, which is, is again, it's quite hard because the whole team never actually cook Cantonese food. I guess like they all like they're mostly from Mexico and Nepal. So like um, yeah, some some good good chefs, some good chefs there. Um, that came out of it or that just went through it uh, the team at Queen Charmaine is, is very solid oh, right. still very very solid yeah. right. uh, some of the best very hard working team yeah. there I still think that that was a really good team um, so yeah so after the restaurant opened up uh, we have like I kind of decided that you know I didn't want to cook Chinese from the beginning I didn't want to cook Chinese food again because I've been done that already I not really want to do it again you know so um so at that point, uh, 
Mike, uh, Pinbone Mike, uh, have uh, open uh, toddies in with Maryvale. Yeah, sure. So in Bondi, so I decide. I, I he's a chef that I, I look up to a lot. Yeah, I think yeah. his food is so tasty. So I think like yeah, I thought you know that was a really good chef that I want to work for. So I went to work at toddies. Yeah, sick. Uh, after after Queen Charmaine, so and it was uh, it was again it was a very very busy restaurant. Like you know so, you know how to pick him. Man, it's like <laughs> I remember at Easter weekend, uh, like we probably do four hundred people for lunch. Jesus Christ! And I was doing the pass in the Jasper together, same yeah, time. Yeah, man, yeah. it was it was rough. It was very rough. But man, that that place pump out a lot of delicious food there. Like, yeah, really, really good. You know what's interesting is that like even when you have to like when a restaurant goes from not being so busy to really busy, you you sometimes just have to adjust the menu. To, to equate for being service like when service comes it needs to be you know efficient enough for it to go quickly like for if you're quiet you can you know play around during service yeah. and take time to do things but you know what I mean like you would have experienced that okay? yeah absolutely and I think like you know actually sometimes it's just a challenge to feed 600 people a day you 100%, know? that yeah, just yeah. like that just that itself is a challenge just to get the food out there yeah just just get the food out there on time and and training the tables is that that's like important you know and i think i learned how to cook with fire like we have just jasper there so i, yeah, I yeah. learned how to cook with uh the jasper wood, like charcoal oven um but yeah so that was a really really busy restaurant and and but it was it was, <laughs> it was hard it was hard because it was really busy you know yeah and, yeah. and, and i haven't worked with mike for a long time that was our first time we worked together and it was it was it was intense because you know running a busy restaurant is 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 is, is crazy you know? yeah like where like you have to keep up with the prep you know care with the, the staff level you know make sure the food is good you know it, the consistency is it, it, crazy and being on the past you know it's, it's like it's a lot of responsibility you're you're responsible for the the name of the restaurant right which is not my restaurant it's, it's Justin's restaurants and the name of Mike from Pinbong right so how many bills did you break at this place oh no I, I, was, a be- I was a better guy <laughs> I, I, I think I think but then uh, so after 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 all these times I, I still don't think it's uh, I don't I, I don't felt that that restaurant is for me because I never actually worked in a small restaurant before Right. If okay. you think about it, right? Yeah, Ms. Sure. Mr. Wong, Miss G's, uh, Queen Chow, and more Queen Chow Manly. Yeah, yeah. Um, Toddies is all big. So when I heard about this opportunity coming up at Lotus, they're redoing right, yeah. Lotus, right? I, I messaged Dan straight away. I was like, Are you looking for a chef? And he asked me if I'm interested. I'm like, Yeah, I want to give it a go, you know? And I, I before I thought that I'm only going to cook Dan's food for, for a year. And then I can think about what I want to do after, you know. So I, I thought that was a, I, I, I really only took that job because it's only a pop up, so it's a one year. A lotus. Yeah, ori- yeah, yeah. Originally, it's only one year, you know. So at the end, we did one year in three months, but it was only one year pop up. So that's why I took the job, you know, because I didn't really want to cook. Like dance food is amazing, obviously, but then I think, you know, I want to try to do my own thing or have my spin on, on the food a little bit but I guess like taking the head chef role at Lotus is definitely one of the best decisions I've made in my life yeah I think um, because it's a small small place I get to taste everything and and you know touch everything you know I cook every steak everything come off the grill the past section do the grill as well so every every steak come off from Lotus is, is from the past really work closely with uh, the apprentice you know and, and the chefs I think I think yeah that's that's really good we end up even getting a lobster tattoo <laughs> for the whole team so I was going to say I noticed that so you, you you probably like we are really like a really close team so the first uh, I think five months was really good but then obviously lockdown come and we have to shut the restaurant up so I thought so for some reason I thought when Lotus first opened it popped up somewhere else and then it went to Potts Point or had it always been at Potts Point no that's the original site like 11 years ago or 12 years ago the then, one in Potts Point the one in Potts Point yeah, yeah. that's the original oh right yeah and then so basically they shut that and they opened Fish Shop right so 
when fish shop closed, they decided to do a pop up of Lotus again, okay. just to celebrate right, okay. the, the location. So, which is really good. So, in the first five months, I think like uh, people are really like coming for the burgers, you know, you know, or really like just come enjoy the food, but not experience, I guess, not not like a long meal. Mm. But I think after COVID, like. It just changed everything, man. People want everything. Truffle, caviar, yeah. lobster, the best wagyu. Like, it's amazing. So that really shaped... And like, obviously, the truffle pasta really um, took off yeah. at Lotus, <laughs> so, which is really good. Um, yeah, so I think the confidence really come from running a successful restaurant. I yeah. think that's the year or two before Lotus was really, really tough. And I think that Lotus really gave me a lot of confidence. Yeah. And really knowing what I want to do with, yeah. with my career. Where, where, do, where do you think you kind of eventually got the hang of things within the kitchen? I know when you start out as a chef, you kind of, it takes a little while for you to finally click and you, you understand. Well, I, I, I guess like COVID was a really, really help, helps me a lot as a chef because before I thought, you know, people want to eat, come to my restaurant, like the, I work at, like Toddy's, for example, or Mr. Wong or Miss G's, right? There's always something attached to it, such as like Maryvale as a brand, obviously, or Mr. Deng Hong is a really great brand, or the location or the vibe of the restaurant is, is really, really good, you know? Everything is really good. So I wasn't sure if people like me or not, you know? But during COVID, I think like people buying my take-home meals is because they purely believe in me. They purely like my food. Nothing to attach with Maryvale or, you know, Mr. Instagram. So I guess that that point that I really realized that people actually like my food. And and I think like selling 150 takeaways is is crazy. Like but uh, but yeah, but like that's like I think COVID really was the the best teacher for, for me like I used to worry a lot like what other people think about my cuisine or my food or, or, or how 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 would other people feel about things I do but now I'm just like you know what I'm just going to do it like I'm not going to think about it because everyone have their opinion right and, and they, they will always have their opinion so I was just I just learned that you know I just need to be myself and just up, get out there and, and people seems like to like what I do so uh, we did different pop-ups, you know, and we did different um, things. So, yeah, we were very, like, 2020 just changed everything mm. for me. And it's an interesting thing what you've done as well is that it's not often the case where, you know, uh, a chef goes from, you know, the being on the bottom of the brigade to kind of like the top and stepping away from companies and... You know, every chef at a head chef stage, you know, always has to make sure what the, you know, pay attention to what the customers are saying and making sure that what they're doing is being validated in some sense in a restaurant. But with you being able to step away from the restaurant and have, you know, a massive amount of people still support you, restaurant or not, that would be very supporting and, and very kind of adds to that self-motivation that you have that you, you do have something that people want. You know, and it's not just attached to a brand, so it can be really um, motivating to you. Like, yeah, it's crazy, man. Like, like I have this so much during twenty twenty, right? Like, take home meals, dumplings, private dinners, events, pop up dinners. So it's like I think that the support I get from, like, you know, every every now and then I go out, people want to have pictures with me. It's, it's, it feel, <laughs> feel unreal, you know, like. It's crazy, man. Like I'm just a cook, you know, and it's just crazy how. And a lot of people tell me that they look up to me, and I'm just like, man, it's crazy, man. Because I, I'll just, just I'm just a guy who loves food, you know. Yeah, and I yeah, love yeah. to cook food. I love to put smile in people's face. I love to create special moments. But that's just like crazy, man. Like, and 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 I will never take that for granted. I think like people are still like the event next week. I'm doing. At, with Nihao Bar, we already sold over 200 tickets. Uh, I think that's just like, it's a blessing that people still want to come out and support mm. myself and the others. Like like PS40, obviously a, a really successful event that we have. So I think I'm just excited. And people always ask me, what are you going to do next? We want to be there. What do you want to do next? <laughs> and I just, think, I just think that like, it's, it, 
I'm really blunt. Like, honestly, if I'm honest to you, at one point I was actually thinking about leaving Sydney, leaving Sydney for a little bit. I was thinking maybe we can go to Brisbane or, 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 or Adelaide or, yeah, right. or Tasmania, you know, just to start a small restaurant and just, you know, just, just hang out, you know. But then I think after the year of COVID, I, I will rethink that because I think there's a lot of people who love me in Sydney. I think it's crazy, man. It's, it's good. Yeah. So I, I'm very blessed, very grateful for what happened last year. And I think, um, yeah, we'll just continue to, to do good stuff. Yeah. All right. Well, I feel like that's kind of getting to, to the end. But I want to finish on a question that I've been asking uh, all the chefs uh, as a more or less a reflective through their, their, their time as chefing, you know, um, because when you're in the kitchen and you're chatting with chefs after a service or whatever, like you'd just be talking absolute shit. But one of the topics that comes up is the time you're in the shit the most and you'll compare stories about the worst time you were in the shit. Um, you know, I asked Nikito, the photographer, you know, you know, how would that translate to professional photography? Like, could you be in the shit? And she was saying she was, um, one time she was living at, at a parent's place and had to get all the shit packed and gear ready to go and she had to shoot like half an hour to an hour away. And she, you know, packing a tripod, her cords, her laptop in her bag, ready to go and went to someone's house for a shoot. Met her assistant there. Everything was all well. They were setting everything up. The photo was good to go. Like, you know, she was ready, pulled out her last bit of equipment. And then as she was about to get everything ready, she realized she hadn't packed her camera. At that point, she's like, well, that's fucking stupid. You know, it's like being the only chef in the kitchen. You didn't bring your knives. Like, what, what the fuck are you going to do? So she was stressing that, stressing out. So she started calling her mom, being like, mom, like, you need to pack my camera and bring it to me now. And like, I'm, you know, it's a very, like, serious shoot. Like, you know, I can't believe I fucked this up. Uh, like, yeah, it took her, like, an hour to try and, like, you know, fucking halt this little scenario with the photograph you know while the guy wasn't being like annoyed and shit and it was just an absolute like nightmare for her so I suppose the question's on to you to pass on the story to someone else well I'm sure you have plenty of stories if you want to ramble a few go for it but if there's a few that kind of stay in your mind as to when you're most in the shit uh, I think <laughs> I got one good story for you right which, which I actually never told anyone but it'll be exclusive here but basically, one time I, I was uh, on my way to do a private dinner, right? And then uh, the location is Enmo. So, I, so yeah. So basically, I I served the first course, which is uh, the the sashimi platter that I do. So it's already away. We send it already. We present it already. And basically, I asked my my chef next to me. He's like. Uh, I need the pasta. Let's let's do the pasta coordinate. We need to start firing the pasta. And then the chef looked at me. He's like, uh, what pasta are you talking about? There's no pasta. I'm like, uh, what do you mean there's no pasta? So I just realized that I forgot to bring the pasta with me. <laughs> so that's, that's, uh, that's, that's really shit. <laughs> so so uh, I don't know if I should even should say this here, but I will. But uh, So what I did was I jumped in my car and I drove straight to um, Harris Farm. And I bought some fresh pasta off Harris Farm. And I drove back and pretended there's nothing happened. <laughs> so that's pretty good. That's, that's like, yeah, that's, that's, that's... Yeah, because when you're doing private dining, right? You, there's no take two or there's no, exactly. there's no help, you know? Exactly, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. Like I can't just walk next door to Fatera Paradiso. Hey, bro, can I can I borrow some pasta? You know, <laughs> None of that shit. You know? so it's like, yeah, that was intense. But at the end, we pull off together. Like no one noticed, right? But then, yeah, I'll just remember that. Never forget the pasta again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Any other stories? Well, I, I guess like I think learning how to do the pass was was a was a really good story. Like I remember, I I didn't know how to do the pass, right? And and I think. Um, at Mishis at that one point and it was a Sunday it, we were doing stuff this kind of stuff right so it's right. really really busy and I was by myself on the pass and basically it was really really busy and basically I didn't know how to do the pass I thought you have to stand snacks first and then entree and then meng right that, that man, so, yeah. so basically the customer have to wait half an hour for ban mi for, for the snacks half an hour for entree and half an hour for meng so that really affect how to turn the table. So I was in the shit. Like people yeah, waiting right. half an hour for snacks is next level, terrible. So right. at the end of the day, 
my restaurant manager, his name is Jamie, he came and he teach me how to do the pass on the spot. <laughs> and, and I was very grateful for that. You know, that happened because I was so in the shit. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Fucking hell, that's crazy. So that was, that was crazy, man. So like, because I didn't know how to do it. So I, but I think you only learn from the, the most in the shit situation to... <laughs> that's about it that's a pretty good reflective kind yeah. of look back on but I guess like that's 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 like I guess what I learned from all these years is just don't be afraid to make mistakes don't be afraid to be in the shit because you, that's the only way you're going to learn yeah there's no other way so I think all the chefs that agree with me they've all been to, in the shit situation yeah but you just got to make the most out of it and just keep pushing on and until we get it done yeah so. very good all right well cheers for that that was a pretty funny reflective chat <laughs> thank you very much thank you i appreciate it thanks for listening to today's episode if you liked what you heard and you want to stay in touch go follow roots underscore hospitality over on instagram for the latest guest news soundbite and anything podcast related you might even get some cheeky food pics along the way